Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. All right, it is a... Tuesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Chris Sims, Mike Florio, working your way through this top 40 quarterback countdown. Chris, any rooster updates over the course of the last hour? No, well, I mean, the thing's walking around the house on the outer edges and just crowing everywhere. And I'm like, are we sure we want this animal? I'm afraid it's woken up my kids at this point and all that. But that's all I got for you right now. How you doing? Hey, how's your front of your hair doing? You look good. You were annoyed with it to start the show. You good with I, it? There was there was one piece that like kept hanging down <laughs> in my face. I couldn't get it to conform to the rest. That I had that one non-conforming piece of hair. I think it's okay. I, I need another haircut. <laughs> I, I if 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 uh, if if what has gone on over the past three months does not serve as conclusive proof that I do not wear a toupee. I mean, they would not sell a toupee this bad, this unruly. I can't control it. It goes everywhere. No amount of gel can get it to do what I want it to do. All right, time to move on, Chris. We are continuing the top 40 quarterback countdown. We are up to number 23. And number 23 is a guy who is entering his critical third season in the NFL. Make or break the guy who was the third overall pick that the New York Jets traded up to get. Yes, somehow, some way, Sam Darnold is higher on the list than Jared Goff. Darnold in at number 23. Uh, It seems a little high for a guy who has really yet to fulfill his promise. I remember once upon a time, the talk was he was going to be the first overall pick in 2018. He was close enough, but he's yet to live up to that. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. And, and, you know, part of that is a little bad luck. He got hurt year one, right? Missed, you know, a substantial amount of games. Came back, looked really good. Of course, last year he had the mono he had to deal with, right? He comes back. You know, they upset the Dallas Cowboys and he set the world on fire that game. But I think Sam Darnold, the projection or, you know, the trajectory, I should say, is going in the right direction. And the fact that he's number 23, I mean, he shouldn't take that as a slap in the face or anything like that. There is a lot of good quarterbacks in football right now at all different ages. 
And Sam Darnold is talented enough to be a guy that could be in the top 10 next year. You know, there's a lot of things to like about his game. First off, Mike, he's a magician in the pocket. That's what I love about Darnold more than anything. He really is. He's got great feet. He can hop around, throw the ball with his feet, and any, any type of – uh, no matter where they are, as far as they don't have to be set perfectly, he's got a very quick release, and he is a really high level of in, high level thrower of intermediate passes. I know you've heard me say that before, but anything between five and twenty yards, I mean, he's dead eye with it. He throws bullseyes, you know. And if there's a part of his game I'd like to see better, hey, some of the down the field power throws are a little underwhelming at times. But certainly, Sam Darnold, very good football player can execute the offense, and Mike, when nothing's there to be had, that's actually when he does better. He thrives in that environment. I want to see him do better when the pocket's clean and he's got to throw strikes and paint corners and put the ball in really you know, special places where his guy can get it and no one else can. That's probably the area he needs to improve more than anything. Boy, it's strange to think that he does his best work when there's so much chaos. He doesn't have time to really overthink it, and when he right. has time – is when he needs to improve. But you've mentioned some of the various attributes that has him placed at number 23. Let's take a look at some of what Sam Darnold has done. You mentioned his his fear. Oh, there's evil Roger Goodell, the evil <laughs> twin of Roger Goodell. I want to be careful. Evil twin. We're not saying Roger Goodell's evil. His twin brother's evil, and that's that Chris Sims photo. All right, Sam Darnold, number 23. Let's see what he does in the pocket. Yeah, you see there. I mean... His feet are always wide. He keeps them hopping around. He's almost like a boxer that way and how he keeps that base around him. But, you know, he's got great feel, and he can keep his eyes down the field while he's also playing backyard football. And there's a nice spin move there and gets the ball out of his hand for a first down. And knows to get out of it. You know, the, the whole how does your body relate to the other bodies around you? He knew what time he had to get rid of the football. No doubt. He's got a great internal clock. And this is what I mean by the intermediate passes. I mean – Hey, this is, he is confident. He doesn't care. This is good coverage. You know, he's got to put that ball right there or that's not going to happen. And, you know, that's the one thing when you go back and watch his tape, you start to go, man, there's a lot of tight throws into, you know, 15, 12-yard type throws into tight coverage. That was impressive, too, too, when he looked over quickly. I mean, it's not like he lined that guy up. He looked, he threw, he put it in there. Now the problem is, uh, they put it on him from time to time because he doesn't have the protection that maybe he needs from the offensive line. No, and, you know, those are times here. There, there's not much he can do. Maybe that first one, you'd like to see him just tuck it and run, you know, but I don't care what quarterback you are there. These are things where he's got to realize and feel, okay, it's collapsing. Maybe can I get the ball out to somebody close to the sideline and throw the ball out of bounds? If not, you take the sack. Um, but here – you know, another great example, Mike, in the pocket, feet are a little jumpy, right? But looking to his right, doesn't like it, pulls it down, and he's got a very quick release, as you can see. That's the one thing I like about Sam Darnold. He can really get the ball out of his hand uh, in a hurry. Yeah, and look, there's a lot to be confident about. There's a lot to be optimistic about. Uh, but there are still ways that he needs to improve, Chris. Yeah, there definitely is. And, and again, you know, some of these throws, like you see here, that's accurate, but it's not going to wow you all the time. You're not like, oh, my gosh, what a laser that is. And here's, you know, another example, you know, deep ball throwing. This is a, an area that he Guys improved wide on. Guys, wide open. Wide open. No doubt about it. You know, and this is where you, you dream about a play like that. Exactly. It, there's no doubt. And this is the one area of his game that lacks a little bit is big power in his arm 
to make, okay, look, they're there. But this ball's 20, 15 yards under throw, you know? And we just saw, like, hey, this is an area Jared Goff has an advantage over him. Jared Goff could probably have made this throw and pushed the ball down the field 10 more yards. Uh, so one of, one of the weaknesses of Darnold's game there is it's not always going to stretch the defense out or scare defenders as far as what could happen behind them with the deep ball. He can prove that aspect. You know, he'll be a handful because between his scrambling and his ability to buy time in the pocket, his intermediate accuracy where, you know, again, what I love about it is it's not only accurate in those intermediate passes, Mike, but he can throw the ball as hard as he can and he doesn't lose any accuracy in those throws. You know, like we talked about with Jared Goff at times, he can lose his accuracy when he really tries to step, you know, put the pedal on the metal. Uh, but, you know, again, yeah, I think that's that's the things that I like about Darnold. And then the one thing I'd like to see is, yes, a little more of an explosive element out of his arm in the pocket to scare defenses that way. One of the challenges for Sam Darnold is who he has around him. No or doubt. The lack of who he has around him. Yes, right. Le'Veon Bell's on the team, but beyond. And, and look, and we talked about this last week. You get the running back once you have everything else in place. You don't start with the running back and build from there. The running back is the last piece, not the first piece. And you look at the other pieces beyond Le'Veon Bell, and how is Sam Darnold ever going to get anything done with these guys? All due respect. Yeah, well, no, you're right. It's not. It hasn't been the the greatest group of support around Sam Darnold. There, there's no doubt about that. And that's you know you got to take that into account too when I evaluate these quarterbacks. There's a lot of plays where I sat there and watched Sam Darnold and went. Well, he made chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what right there. I know that. He does that a lot. So they've gone a little bit more of the, okay, we don't have the big-time go-to target this year. Robbie Anderson's gone, but got a guy like Josh Doxson, Brashard Perryman, who's had a, had a good what? year last year. Don't, I know. Don't, when you say know. got a guy like Josh Doxson, you lose me. We got a guy like Josh Doxson that no one else wanted, a failed first-round pick who's just hanging around. Hey, we got Josh Doxson going for us. Uh, no, no, that's that. They got nothing. They got they've got Jamison Crowder, Rashad Perriman, and Josh Doxson. Now they added Denzel Mims in the draft, but who knows what he's going to be? But uh, I mean. Talk about degree of difficulty for Sam Darnold. Again, it's all due respect to these guys, but usually when you look at a receiving depth chart, there's at least one name that you get excited about. Do you get excited about any of the names on that depth chart? No, I do not. I do not get excited about any of them. And, and that's the big thing. And that's why a lot of people are going to look at it and go, like, Sam Darnold, how do you have him ranked in front of Jared Goff? And I want to just go, you know, again, because I know I'm going to have that reaction. I'm going to go, if you put Sam Darnold on the Rams with some of those receivers, I bet you his numbers and the outlook would look a whole lot different. So I'm taking that into account, of course, here. Yes, and you're right, Mike. There's nothing There's nothing special there. They're going to try to do it with middle-of-the-road journeymen or guys that they feel like have a little bit more untapped potential that they haven't got to. But, yes. You know, we, we don't know what they are. And then I'm, I'm blanking on, you know, the, the, the receiver that's got the hurt neck, the guy out of uh, Nebraska. Quincy Yes, he doesn't look like he's going to be available. So, yeah, offensive line play wasn't great the first two years of Sam Darnold's career. You said the running game lackluster. So if they want to see what Sam Darnold's really all about, they need to help him out. And I think this is a huge year. He needs to stay healthy. Gase's offense needs to grow, and they're going to need some of those guys that you just said are kind of underwhelming to step up to the plate and be something more. Jamison Crowder, good slot receiver, 
But you're right. There's not that go-to guy that's going to attract attention on that offense. Now, they, they use their first-round draft pick on Mekhi Becton, who becomes, they hope, the left tackle like a DeBrickashaw Ferguson was, a guy who's going to hold that position for years to come. Alex Lewis, left guard. Connor McGovern, center. Brian Winters, right guard. And Chuma Adoga at right tackle. Not exactly one of the top units in the NFL, but if Becton can live up to his potential, and he is a huge individual, if he can at least stabilize that side of the line Maybe, maybe we can see some progress. Look, the bar is going to be low for the Jets this year. And one of the questions that a lot of people in New York are asking is, will Adam Gase be able to get the most out of Sam Darnold? We talk all the time about the concept of easy completions, the way that you dial up plays to help your quarterback. Do we think Gase is going to do enough to really help Darnold maximize that performance and maybe look better than he is by giving him some of those things that are schemed by Gase to help right. Darnold get those easy completions, build some confidence, and and uh, you know put the team in a position where they can be competitive. Yeah, well, I think the Adam Gase offense is good and certainly has everything you want, right, to be a successful NFL offense. I have zero doubts about that. Do I wish at times it would push the boundaries of creativity and doing different things? Certainly, yes, I do. Formations more, motions more, maybe some new, you know, maybe more willing to try or do some concepts that you don't see them normally do. But, I mean, the Adam Gase at the base level has everything to be successful, yes. But I do think with if you want to make this offense go with, you know, some of the components and players we just talked about, that Gase is going to have to be more creative. And the offense is going to have to try to scheme people open a little bit more because, yeah, I mean, the way it looks right now on paper, I just don't know if you're going to be able to say, hey, guys, just line up and – you know, Brashad Perryman and, and uh, you know, Josh Doxson and Jamison Crowder, they'll just get it open. We don't get open. They'll get it done. We don't need to be overly creative. They're talented. No, it's not going to be that type of group. So they're going to have to do it through formations and, and creative scheming of, of certain plays to help out the offense and Sam Darnold a little bit. Yeah, and look, uh, as I mentioned, the bar is low for the Jets this year, but uh, Darnold, I, you know, you've sold me. You've sold me on why you have it number 23. And the point that you made that resonates the most with me, the idea that if you flip-flop Darnold with Jared Goff, Darnold would be thriving in that L.A. offense. And uh, it's just it's, it's the reality. And, and Goff would be struggling like Darnold is without the help around him because we saw what happened last year when some of the elite help around Jared Goff crumbled a bit. And now this year, no Todd Gurley and no Brandon Cooks, even harder for Goff to get it done. But, you know, it's... Whew, the, the, these weapons that, that that Darnold has to work with, uh, there aren't many well, other teams that are in that same category. No. Where you just look at it and you say, man, how in the world is this team going to move the football? Well, this is like, you know, this this goes on the prior regime that was there. You know, Mike McCagnin. And, and, uh, I mean, you know, again, we've had this conversation as it applies to Mitchell Trubisky, right? You know, you're going to draft a quarterback in the top five or top ten. It's a huge investment. Your job is, you know, reliant on the success of that quarterback in the top 10 pick. So why would you not put big time talent around him to make that look good? And at the very least, when the offense looks good with a good young quarterback and the fans see the potential, you know, that that soothes over a lot of people. They might not even care if you're six and 10 or seven and nine. They go, oh, man, our quarterback looks good. Our offense is exciting. They're a fun team to watch. You know, the future is coming. 
But right now, the Jets are in limbo a little bit. Yeah, we don't know what they're going to be. I really like what Joe Douglas did in free agency in the draft as a GM. You know, I do. I think he got improved that offensive line, even though, like you said, it's not going to be one of the best in football, but a lot of good value signings there. Le'Veon Bell's got to come back, you know, uh, to, to be somewhat of the player we know he can be. And then, yeah, Gase is going to have to help out Darnold that way. But it's not an offense that I expect to light up the NFL, certainly not. But I think it's good enough to get it done. And I think Darnold is talented enough to make enough plays on his own with his own ability to carry over some of them tough spots of, you know, inept offense or guys not getting open and things like that. And the silver lining is they have Josh Doxson and his 81 catches for 1,100 yards that he had last season. Oh, wait, I mean 8,100, 81 catches for 1,100 yards, four years in the NFL combined. Last year he had no catches, no yards uh, in limited time with the Minnesota Vikings. And look, I'm, I'm sorry, Josh, we're not, trying to, we're not trying to give you a hard time. I mean, the bottom line is sometimes guys come in and they work out, and sometimes they come in and they don't. But uh, Chris... Chris, we, if that is one of the first names you're thinking of when you think of the Jets receiving depth chart, it underscores the fact that there's a problem with the Jets receiving depth chart. All right, we still yeah. have one more yeah, quarterback to come later in the program. We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, when we return, we're going to get to that third quarterback, but up next, someone who will be linked with Sam Darnold as long as the two are with their respective teams. I'm intrigued. Hopefully you are too. More PFT Live right after this. What do you think of Sam Darnold? The Jets quarterback, you're the guy who everybody comes to ask. What do you think of what you've seen in Sam the first couple of years? Sam can play. He's growing. He's going to improve. He's going to get better. But Mike, like most things in life, it's a team game, man. Sam's got to, he'll step up. I believe he's going to get better, but he needs to have the teammates also, and they're improving. Douglas uh, has done a good job bringing in some new players. It remains to be seen. But you know, my competition is keen. There's a lot of good teams out there, and uh, it takes a, a collective effort to put together a championship run, and I can only hope that the Jets will improve and make the playoffs this year. Simsisms. Upper echelons. Dak Prescott should be paid really handsomely because he's one of the 10 best quarterbacks in football, and he deserves to be paid in, in that upper echelons uh, at the position. Simsisms. I missed that one yesterday. What was wrong with me yesterday? I missed it. I usually catch those. Now, you did say well, something yesterday that made me kind of turn my head a little bit. I think you said unjust when you were trying to say unjust. So that could be another entry in Simsism. I don't even know what's wrong with that. Well what done. What is wrong with that? Upper echelons. The word is, is upper something? echelon. The oh, word is echelon. upper echelon. Yes, that's, that's what's wrong yeah, with I mean, it. That's what's wrong with it. If we're going to be picky about word. that, I'm not going to get any words right ever. I mean, uh, <laughs> I even <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this is time for some. We're, we're getting closer and closer to the upper echelons of the Chris Sims Top 40 quarterback countdown. We're almost at the halfway point. Number 22, and we're staying in New York City. We had New York Baby. Jets at 23. And now it's Daniel Jones of the New York Giants at number 
22. And ha- look, if, if we had told Chris Sims a year ago that the Daniel Jones, that to borrow one of your favorite phrases you were crapping on prior to the draft, would make it to number 22, how surprised would you have been? Yeah, I very. No, there's no doubt. I mean, yes, I crapped on him during the draft process, and he crapped on me repeatedly during the 2019 season and said, you're wrong, Chris Sims. And I am. I was wrong. I misevaluated in the draft. You know, hey, listen, I'm not going to lie. I fell into a trap that I told myself I wouldn't fall into before, and I didn't fall, uh, you know, fall into it with guys like Drew, Drew Locke or Jared Stidham. And we'll see how that turns out. But um, a little bit like Dak Prescott, where I put some of the struggles of the team and the offense and Daniel Jones maybe not being the sexiest guy to watch at times. I put all those problems on him, and that wasn't fair coming out of Duke. But what we saw last year was a guy that was thrown into the lineup, and basically from like day one, it was like, hey, the running game's not great. Saquon Barkley's not 100%. We don't have a ton of talent at receiver, but Daniel, we'd like you to carry the offense. And man, he had some really bright moments last year. You know, first off, Mike, high-level thrower of the football, thrower and passer. Thrower, I mean, he can throw it and, and put power and throw lasers all over the field. Passer, touch, timing, you know, proper trajectory on certain throws, all those things, it's off the charts good. Perfect spiral every time. Really good athlete, Mike. Like, can rip off 20- and 30-yard type runs. And uh, I think all of those things – let alone how much they put on his plate uh, leads me to believe that Daniel Jones can be a really awesome quarterback in the NFL for a long, long time. And I just like what I saw a lot in that 2019 season. Well, let's take a look at some of the things that he did last year. And I think the buzzword is no fear factor, as you've pointed out, that he is a guy who will go out there and do what needs to be done. So we've got some plays here from Daniel Jones, number 22, on the Chris Sims Top 40 Quarterback Countdown, Roger Goodell's evil twin gets us started, and there is Daniel Jones on the run, holding that football out there. That's been a problem. We'll be talking about yep. that, I'm sure. But here he is playing, as we said, with no fear at all. Takes the hit, delivers the touchdown pass. I mean, takes the hit in the pocket, eyes are downfield, throws a great throw with people around him. Hey, it's the gift and the curse, like you're talking about, Mike. He's amazing. He's fearless in the pocket, but at times it leads him to sitting there and getting hit and fumbling. But you're seeing here, not great pass protection. Somebody off the left edge, feet not perfect. Doesn't matter. Another high-level throw into the end zone. Touchdown Giants. Yeah, almost falling away like and turning from the hit, but still delivering the ball accurately in the snow against the Packers uh, and, and not afraid to take that hit once he's delivered the football. No, he's definitely not. And they get standing in the pot. I mean, look at this throw. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's the one thing you can see over and over again is throws into windows where you go, oh, don't throw that. Oh, my gosh, what a great throw. Wow, good job, Daniel Jones. I mean, you do that a whole lot watching him. And he's got great confidence in his accuracy and ability to make these plays. Now, here's the negative. Like, come on, Rook, give up. He's not open. The screen's not there. Don't just keep shuffling and patting the ball and doing that. You know, and that's led to him leading the league in fumbles this year. Yeah, the most fumbles by anyone since Dante Culpepper in 2002. Daniel Jones with 18 fumbles in 2019. And 
And and it's that that awareness and and that understanding of when the ball is in jeopardy of being knocked out of your hands when you're holding it in a spot where a defender can whack it and out it comes. Definitely. I mean, you know, not a real good O-line, not a great running game this year. So that that hurt him. And then yes, he's got to that internal clock has got to improve like even that one. You know, that was unnecessary. Throw it away. You wanted to throw it away like seven times before that. Just trust it. Or go run and make a play. That would be my biggest critique of him to this point. Is in these scenarios, like, stop waiting. Stop waiting. It's not going to happen. Run. Go make something happen. He can utilize his legs more than he does. He's a very good athlete. One of the shocking things I saw from him this year. Did not think he was going to be able to run in the capacity in which he could run. Uh, so, and again, we can't take into, you got to take into account, Mike, the, the pressure was on him. Other than Kyler Murray, it was, whoa, your takeover for a legend in Eli Manning. And whoa, like we need you to throw for 300 yards and a few touchdowns or we can't win a football game. And, you know, believe it or not, he had some phenomenal games last year, statistically, where he really did carry the offense with his high level throwing. And, and think about what he did go through last year. And I remember after the draft, there were some who thought that he'd be the week one starter. Now, it took a little bit longer, but not much longer than that. But Eli Manning was the one who got the reps. He was the one who got the benefit of being the guy. Daniel Jones didn't have that. And it was an awkward situation. Eli Manning had been the starter since halfway through the 2004 season. He only missed a game when they benched him for Geno Smith with that clumsy thing that Ben McAdoo did a few years ago. Uh, this guy's an institution. Two Super Bowl wins, two of the greatest throws in NFL history, the David Tyree catch, the Mario Manningham catch in the game against the the Patriots, both Super Bowls against the Patriots. Yeah, and, and on top of everything else you have to deal with as an NFL quarterback, he's thrust into this spot where he's the one who is succeeding the legend while the legend is still on the team and very much wants to play. I think that adversity that he dealt with last year was as big as anything he had to overcome. Well, it shows a lot. You know, I, I think that's why also it was, you know, people, it was in high demand to become the head coach of the New York Giants or become the offensive coordinator because I think people saw when they evaluated Daniel Jones, they went, whoa, I mean – he makes he can make some plays. He can handle the New York pressure. He can handle a legend over him. I mean, come on, Eli Manning. He gets benched. Daniel Jones comes in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game and you know lights the world on fire with big throws and touchdowns and yardage and all of that. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of things to look at with Daniel Jones to, to go. This guy can be really successful in the NFL. You know, his throwing and things remind me a little bit of Tom Brady that way. His demeanor is, you know, a little Eli Manning-ish, certainly. I think there might be a little bit more of an edge to him, but not much. But I think it's a great personality for here in New York City. You know, like Sam Darnold, it's kind of just the same guy all the time. You know, they're not going to get too high, not going to get too low. There is a presence about them when they walk in the room and you know they're the man, but they don't need to be yet loud or boisterous and do it with their, you know, vocal cords that way. But uh, I'm certainly excited about Daniel Jones. I really am. I think he's got big-time talent. And remember, prior to the 2019 draft, Dave Gettleman, the GM of the Giants, made it clear that they wanted someone who can handle the New York pressure. And what a baptism by fire that Daniel Jones had with the Eli Manning situation, being thrust into that position on the fly when you weren't really prepared for it, and he passed the test. He's unfazed. He's unaffected. He's unflustered 
by what goes on on a football field, and I think that's going to serve him well as he tries to develop. Now, with the Agreed. weapons around him, we talked about the Jets' lack yeah. of weapons. The Giants, not too shabby when you consider what the other team you're sharing the stadium with doesn't have, starting with Saquon Barkley, one of the great young running backs in the NFL. Yeah, well, if they can get Barkley to be healthy, they've improved the offensive line here this offseason, get a running game going. Hey, Darius Slayton last year is a rookie out of Auburn. You know, he was really impressive. Golden, Golden Tate, you know, he's got a certain role on the football team. Sterling Shepard's still a good football player as well. But, you know, Golden Tate got, what, suspended last year. Sterling Shepard was hurt for a few games. And Daniel Jones still played at a pretty high level with – you know, very, you know, underwhelming supporting cast around him. But they need Saquon Barkley to be big time this year. They need Evan Ingram to be big time. Those are the two stars on their offense other than Daniel Jones. Ingram has the capability to be the best pass-catching tight end in football. I mean, he's that special. He is. He's he's extremely athletic. He's a mismatched nightmare. But he's got to stay healthy with Barkley – and that's going to help those receivers that we talk about who are good, but you're right, aren't going to like blow us away. Um, but I, I like Daniel Jones, and I think the Jason Garrett offense will fit him as well. Would Odo Beckham Jr. be better off with the Giants than he is with the Browns, considering how that team has changed since he was traded? You know, he certainly would be the go-to guy and Daniel Jones – you know, unlike Eli, you know, towards the end of Eli's career, is willing to stand in the pocket, and Daniel Jones wants to throw the ball down the field. So it would be a different story if Odell was in New York right now. It would be more cohesive, and I think he would be happier with a guy like Daniel Jones because, you know, I think Daniel would really go out of his way to look to strike with him down the field. Uh, but I also think that, you know, Odell's in a pretty good spot with the talent he's got around him and you know, I still think Baker Mayfield's a, a pretty damn good player himself. There was a debate back in 2018 as to whether or not the Giants would rue the day they took a running back with the second overall pick with Sam Darnold and Josh Allen both available at the time. Uh, can we put that to rest now that they have their guy in Daniel Jones and they also have Saquon Barkley, so it tended to work out fairly well for the Giants at the end of the day? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It did. It worked out. I don't think you can use that argument anymore. Certainly not. No, the Giants, you know, somehow found their way to get a franchise running back and a franchise quarterback in two consecutive drafts. And yeah, I mean, between Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold, it's really close. Like this is one of those I went back and forth. And really, I think it was Daniel Jones' ability to maybe push the ball down the field with bigger type throws that gave me or gave him the advantage in my eyes, let alone his ability when you really go back and watch film, you see a lot of runs where you go, man, 10, 15, 10, you know, where you go, man, the guy is, he's a true threat when he tucks the ball that way. So the Giant fans should be very happy with what they got in uh, DJNY, DJNY. Okay, we're going to have a, a little uh, twist here on what we usually do for the draft. The draft is coming up. I'm going to ask you the trivia question now, though. Are you ready? I don't care if okay. you are or you aren't. You're getting the question. Okay. <laughs> Daniel Jones and Dave Brown both played quarterback at Duke. Can you name at least one other NFL quarterback who played quarterback at Duke? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Who am I missing here? One other quarterback that played at Duke, and there is nobody that is coming to my mind right now. 
Let me just think about this for two more seconds. Um, nope, I can't. Well, yeah, you know, we're live right now. Oh, are we? Hey, live TV. What is it? What's the answer? Sonny Jurgensen would be the biggest oh. name that played at Duke. Yeah. Yeah. N- I mean, not exactly an easy trivia question for today, but what the heck? Other names that popped up: Ben Bennett, Steve Sladen, whoever that is, Anthony Dillweg. I remember that name vaguely from the late '80s, early '90s. Uh, and Spence Fisher. Who can forget Spence Fisher, drafted in the sixth round of the 1996 draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers? So, uh, not a wow. whole lot of great quarterbacks from Duke in the National Football League. All right, there's the list. We're all the way up to 22. We'll have more coming later in the week. For now, we're going to turn the the page back to the Dalvin Cook holdout as it relates to his, his presence in a great set of triplets in Minnesota. We're going to draft the best current triplets in the National Football League when PFT Live continues right after this. Dalvin Cook wants a second contract, hasn't gotten one yet. As of yesterday, he pulled the plug on his participation in the Vikings' virtual offseason program and intends to stay away until he gets paid. He is part of one of the better groups of triplets in the NFL, quarterback Kirk Cousins, Cook, and receiver Adam Thielen. So that's the inspiration for today's draft. The best current set of triplets in the NFL. It can be any three players that you want it to be, Chris. And we did the... We did the the trivia question in the last segment. I kind of threw that on you. It really wasn't fair. You know what? I, I'm in a good enough mood today to admit that that was an unfair trivia question, and I'm giving you the first pick. Wow, what a nice guy you are. I can't even believe I can't believe that. Okay, I'll take it then. I'll take it. Um, but th- this is easy. I mean, I, I think you would take the same one with the first pick. Taking the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, sorry. When you talk about Mahomes, Tyree Kill, and Travis Kelsey, let's go with those top three, right? I was wondering who the third one was going to be, but it makes sense. Kelsey makes the most sense. I got to go with Kelsey there. Yeah, I mean, the Sammy Watkins, dangerous, certainly. We know that, uh, but not in the lineup enough. Kelsey, certainly one of the top two or three tight ends in football. Tyree Kill, certainly one of the top two or three wide receivers in football. Mahomes. Without a doubt, the best player, the best quarterback in football. So, bam, I think that was an easy one. It's very nice of you, Mike. You know, you're really get, you're getting soft in your old age. 55 years old for one day, you give me the first pick of the draft. Wow, I'm impressed. One day closer to <laughs> 56, baby. All right. Uh, well, when, 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 when I turn 56, assuming the show's still on the air, will you get me – for my 56th birthday, a signed Lawrence Taylor jersey. Will you commit oh, to that now? I, You know what? I'll commit to that. It won't, won't be a lot of pressure on me. I'm just going to have to drive my dad crazy. Hey, Big Phil, did you call LT? <laughs> hey, Big Phil, did you call LT? But we'll try to get that done. I would like that. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to turning 56 now. That's that's good. good. The next year won't be as bad as I thought it was going to be. All right. Uh, I could go a lot of different directions here. And I, I it's a sliding scale, right? Um, I, I, here's why I, I'm doing it. Yes, I am. I'm going to go Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to go Russell Wilson, Chris Carson, DK Metcalf, right? One of the top three quarterbacks yeah. in the game. Chris Carson, a vastly underrated running back. And DK Metcalf showed us enough last year that he shouldn't have been drafted at the bottom of round two. The best rookie receiver of all of them in 2019. Now his teammate from Mississippi, A.J. Brown, was no slouch. 
but DK Metcalf was great. The arrow was pointing up for that trio. And, uh, you know, people keep looking for reasons to write off the Seahawks, keep looking for reasons to write them off. They're going to keep winning games and keep making it to the playoffs and keep being in the conversation for potentially advancing to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. As long as number three's there, you know, with Pete Carroll leading the charge and John Schneider building a roster, like, you, you know, people are crazy to count out the Seattle Seahawks. There's a culture there that just, sorry, that ain't going away. And, hey, it's a great pick by you. I had them written down as well. You know, it's not one that's going to, like, you know, be a household triplet name quite yet, but it's one that's coming up and I think is going to be on the, you know, a household, uh, uh, you know, basis there. But, Wilson, awesome. Metcalf, I think, is a, a rising star, like you said. And Chris Carson, does anybody run harder in football than Chris Carson? I mean, you couldn't pay me enough money to get in front of him and tackle him. I know that. All right. Uh, hard for me not to go with, like, the place where, at least when I was younger, the original triplets originated. And I'm going back to the big D, going back to Dallas. Because, yeah, you got Dak Prescott, you got Amari Cooper, you got Zeke Elliott. I don't care who you are. I have a hard time thinking that no matter who you are and if you're following football, all three of those guys are top 10 at their position in the sport. At the very least, I think you could say that. At the very least. They might be higher in some people's type of rankings. But uh, Prescott, franchise quarterback Zeke, even though I was underwhelmed with the way he was last year, you know he's still a really damn good running back, physical you know, they ride him. They try to – the style of their, their team is built on, you know, a lot of ways his ability to run the football. And then Amari Cooper, you know, explosive, awesome route runner. We showed him on a weekly basis, you know, breaking people's ankles last year. So that would be my second pick. Yeah, and I wonder how long it's going to be Dak, Zeke, Amari before it becomes Dak, Zeke, CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. Right? Right, right. Or does it become Dak, C.D. Lamb, and Amari, and Zeke is the one that gets left out? You know, that, that, I, that, that crossed my mind, too, when I was thinking about this draft. All right. I, you know, I, I, I got a couple of creative ideas for maybe later. Ooh, ooh I'm doing this one. I, I, I'll tell you later the one I was going to do. Uh, if, if we really want a compelling trio of offensive weapons – how have we overlooked so far Kyler Murray, Kenyon Drake, and DeAndre Hopkins hiding Man. in plain sight? I just took your next pick right out of your right, right off of your pen with your little notebook there. Kyler Murray, Kenyon Drake, DeAndre Hopkins, Chris. Yeah, that, that I was hoping. I, I thought about taking them last round because yeah, that's it's exactly right. I mean, that's a, that's a special three especially within that offense. Kenyon Drake really fits it. Kyler Murray is special. We're both expecting superstardom. And come on, Hopkins, you know, might be the best receiver in football. So good one by you there. I didn't think you would do that. Damn it. You really messed up my draft plans here. Man, do I want to go with potential here or more of a proven commodity? I think, I, you know, I'm going to go down to New Orleans. I, I, I think it's disrespectful for me not to pick these three. You know, there's a few teams here that are in this running, but Breeze, Kamara, and Michael Thomas, again, I, I just think that's a group that's battle-tested, awesome at their craft, you know, understand what they have to do on a play-by-play, game-by-game basis. Kamara, out of the backfield as a runner or a passer, is amazing. Drew Breeze, come on, we know as a legend. 
And then Michael Thomas is just an absolute machine of toughness and everything like that. And, hey, these three guys are the reason that they've been in the, the conversation for the best team in the NFC for the last three or four years. So uh, that's a pretty hard one uh, not, not for, for me not to pick right there. I, how dare you omit Taysom Hill from that conversation? I thought he could about have been it. I know. The replacement at quarterback or running back? Not at receiver, though. He's not close to Michael Thomas yet. But, but yeah. hey, by next year, by next year, it very well could be Hill, Kamara, and Thomas. I, it could be. And, you know, which is crazy is some of these teams that have triplets really have quadruplets as you start to go through it. And then you start to go, well, no wonder they're good on offense. It's more than three guys you got to worry about. It's four or five. And, yeah, Taysom Hill certainly came into uh, my thoughts. And, listen, Jared Cook. The way he can play tight end, too. I mean, there's certainly some weapons down there to be wary of in, in New Orleans. All right. I, I'm going to go defense on you. I'm, I've, I've oh, saved it. I was going uh, to say, don't end. go defense. I was going to say, let's do a defensive draft tomorrow. But okay, fine. Okay. Well, we can do that. I, I, I Okay, we'll do that. That's fine. Then we don't have to spend all day thinking of a draft. Now I got to okay. find the one that I was going to do. How about this? How about this? And this leads into a tiny little bit of news. Todd Gurley has passed his physical with the Atlanta Falcons. Finally. How about Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, and Julio Jones? If Todd Gurley is you. anything like what he was a couple of years ago at Falcons offense, you know, with with the Buccaneers and the Saints getting all the buzz in the NFC South, let's not sleep on the Falcons. If Todd Gurley can play like he did, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to have a red-hot poker uh, where red-hot pokers don't go, and he's going to be ready to <laughs> prove the Rams wrong and anyone else who's doubted him. Whatever's going on in that knee, he's going to find a way to fight through it. So he's passed his physical. Let's make him the uh, the, uh, the the corner, not cornerstone, but one of the three great Falcons players potentially on offense. Yeah, well, well first off, I think your point about like them being kind of one of those you know, sl- you know know sleeper teams, I'm with you. You're right. First off, it's a, it's a big year for them. We know that. It's going to be a little bit of desperation from the coaching staff and the organization that way. You know, might be changes made if there isn't some, you know, a a playoff caliber team in Atlanta. But Matt Ryan's certainly awesome. Julio, awesome. And I'm with you. Todd Gurley, you know, we disrespect him a little because we're so spoiled by huge plays and offensive explosion. Last year was still a good year. It just wasn't a great year. And I think this year he's going to come back with a vengeance for sure. All right, quick break. When we return, Michael Thomas, Saints receiver, continuing to do awesome things off the field. We'll tell you what the latest is. There's the look at the picks from today. Already no, we're doing defensive triplets tomorrow. More PFT Live right after this. Saints receiver Michael Thomas getting it done off the field. Last month, he provided 3,000 meals to frontline healthcare workers during the COVID-19 pandemic, which is still happening. Let's not forget about it. It's still a problem in many areas of the country. Now working to t- cancel more than $2 million in medical debt for over 1,000 Louisiana residents, Chris. Amazing efforts by Michael Thomas to make an impact in this community. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we talk about the amazing play he has on the field, but Michael Thomas, like, off the field, that's special. Uh, what he's done this offseason. It certainly shows he's, you know, caring of people. And, hey, listen, I, last week showed me enough that he's, in, you know, caring of people. The fact that he stood up to the guy who throws him 150 balls a year and, and all of that, he wasn't scared to speak his mind there for what was right. A um, lot of respect for Michael Thomas, the player and the person. 
Yeah, absolutely, and hopefully inspires others to follow suit. Plenty of guys with plenty of means to get something like that done, and medical debt, a huge problem. It's the thing that continues the cycle of poverty for a lot of people. So uh, well done, Michael Thomas. Let's take a quick break. We will be back with more PFT Live right after this. You know, we said last week that the words regarding recent events would become action. And how about this action from former teammates in Houston, Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, Hopkins now with the Cardinals, both went to Clemson. Clemson was founded, Chris, by the son in or the it was founded by the son-in-law of John C. Calhoun, who was a former vice president, a slave owner, and a staunch and strident defender of slavery. Hopkins and Watson have come together to urge Clemson to remove Calhoun's name from buildings, honors programs, streets, etc. at Clemson University. So good for them to find a way to turn words into action. Yeah, I mean, great leadership, and I'm glad they're doing it. I mean, this is stuff that's it's, it's got to be done in our country. It's disrespectful. It makes people feel uncomfortable. It's a black eye in the history of our country. I know you know, in the South, there's a lot of conversation always that this is part of our history. All right. Then we'll, we got it in the history book, but we don't need to throw it into people's faces where a lot of the meaning is disrespect and horrible stuff for years and years and years. And even me as a white man, Mike, I don't like to see those statues or the Confederate flag or anything. I don't like what it stands for. So I can't even imagine to put myself in the shoes of a, of a black person. Here's what DeAndre Hopkins wrote on Instagram. I felt this oppressive figure during my time at Clemson and purposely do not mention the university's name before NFL games because of it. So that's how strongly he feels about it. And and you're right. It's one thing for us to see the Confederate flag and say, what's the deal there? How much worse must it be for the people who see that as a symbol of the oppression they've endured for centuries? Uh, that's right. it for today's PFT Live. We'll be back Wednesday with another all-new edition. More Chris Sims quarterback countdown still to come, plus everything happening in the National Football League. Chris, have a good day. Everybody else, we'll see you on Wednesday. You too. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean Every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.